I've never been to the PGA show. I've heard about it, but, but paint a picture for me. What is it really like to be there? What is it all about? Well, it's really just the scale, Dan. Like, you know, they advertise that golf is an $84 billion industry and you don't really understand what that means until you walk into this convention center and you can barely see the left wall. You can barely see the right wall. I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds of yards. I'm Roberto, professional golfer and aspiring business guy. And I'm Dan, business guy and wannabe golfer. We met in college in a boring engineering class, made a connection through golf, and have been kicking around ideas on the business of golf ever since. On the Course Record Show, we talk to some of the smartest folks in the golf business and get the inside stories and strategies driving the business of golf forward. Welcome back to the Course Record Show. In today's episode, you just get Roberto and I. Roberto just came back from the PGA show where he was down there understanding some of the biggest trends in the business of golf and things to look out for in the year ahead. I've never been to the PGA show, so I'm dying to know what it's like, things to take away from, things I should be getting excited about, and I'm sure you'll have lots to take away from it as well. Good to be here. And before we get to that, really excited to introduce a new partner of ours, Encina Farms. Encina Farms makes amazing jamón. Do you know what jamón is, Roberto? Like fancy charcuterie style ham, is that what we're talking about? The fanciest charcuterie ham. Only the finest of hams? Now we're talking, like this has been called the Wagyu of pork. Okay. And I've tried this stuff myself. It is delicious. We're talking about meat coming from uh, pigs that have been fed nothing but delicious acorns all day. And it's presented to you in an unbelievable style. It just, just, just melts in your tongue. And um, the best of all, like these things can be really cumbersome to buy sometimes. You can now have it shipped right to your home. So check them out, Encina Farms, that is E-N-C-I-N-A farms.com. And if you're looking for a little kicker to think, get things going, use code CRS15 for 15% off on your first purchase. Sounds good. Well, it's not just the pigs that like acorns. I don't know if you saw our boy, John Rahm, hit an acorn on his way to a triple bogey at Torrey Pines. Number really? Five. Yeah. He, he flubbed the chip. He looked down what was down there. There was an acorn underneath his ball you didn't see for the well, first time. Maybe they should have some Iberico pigs graze the lands of Torrey Pines to avoid that kind of thing. So, Roberto, you just came back from the PGA show. Before we get into the what it's about, tell us about the why. Why were you there after all? Yeah, I was down at PGA show uh, in my role at CapTech. So uh, we're a consulting company, and we're actually the technology partner of the PGA of America. So. We're doing some work for PGA of America, had a bunch of meetings down there. And then actually we sponsored, CapTech sponsored the industry stage. So kind of front and center there at the PGA show, uh, there was a series of panel discussions and I actually got to host one. So uh, we talked about technology, whether it enriches or detracts from the golf experience, uh, had three great panelists, uh, good meetings the whole week, uh, did demo day with some technology that we built at CapTech. So really productive three days, uh, really tiring, by the way, like standing for 15 hours a day. I'm sure you've been to trade shows. Um, you know, I'm sure the CES and the, like, it is an incredibly, uh, it's a heavy lift. It's a heavy lift for, for everyone involved, but really productive. So I've never been to the PGA show. I've heard about it, but, but paint a picture for me. What is it really like to be there? What is it all about? Well, have you ever been to like a big trade show? I'm sure you have. I have. 
Yeah. So my first thing is that, and I was there for two, three days and I was putting in full days. And then you do like kind of the happy hour cocktail hour circuit, but man, the vendors, my feet and legs, I could like barely walk when I got home. It is a really, really long grind. And I'm sure CES and Vegas and all of the, you know, industry trade shows are the same way, but it's really just the scale, Dan, like, you know, they advertise that golf is an $84 billion industry. And you don't really understand what that means until you walk into this convention center and you can barely see the left wall. You can barely see the right wall. I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds of yards of vendors from golf tees to apparel equipment. I mean, full like 50, 60 yard driving ranges before you get to a net simulators, technology, just everything you can think of. It's unbelievable. And there's a lot of moving parts. Like, you know, at CapTech, we hosted a happy hour, had a great representation of people attend from just across the entire golf industry. Like just conversations that you would never set up a meeting for, but that happen organically or serendipitously that, it, you know, that's why you go to these events. And then we popped across the street for a second. I don't know if you're familiar with EP head covers and swag golf, but EP is based here in Atlanta or near Atlanta. And Justin, who started that company, he was 21 years old when he started it, like legit parents basement. I, he was there hosting this big party. He's had a ton of success uh, doing manufacturing for OEMs and now for Greengrass accounts, they merged with swag golf, which is like really well-known, you know, they have a crazy following and they were hosting an event. So it was really cool. I mean, I think they're eight or nine years in, Justin's built an awesome business from nothing. So like those kind of golf business stories are great. And then like I ran into Lee Wabransky there, the artist, the golf artist. And we'd met like on an email, mutual friend, but you know, we got to chat for a few minutes. Um, hopefully we'll get him on CRS show here shortly, but that's just a perfect example of like what, and this is all happening like within a, a thousand yards of the hotel. So it's just really easy to run into people, uh, meet interesting interesting people from across the industry. I experienced the Silicon Valley world a little bit in my day job. Whenever you tell me someone started a business in a garage or the basement <laughs> of their parents, like I'm hooked, right? Show me the billionaire and that's where I'm going to look in the basements, the garages of the world. So yeah. Yeah. I talked to my brother today. So he's in commercial insurance and like, I just love these stories. <laughs> he told me that he was like, Hey bud, how was your day? Uh, he said, I walked into an office today and asked to see a guy who turns out died 10 years ago, he said. And then I went next door, straight cold walk-in, met the owner and spent an hour talking to him. And like, there's a follow-up. So it's just, uh, you know, the hustle never stops. That's a, another lesson from the PGA show, right? Like I got to spend a few minutes with our Holderness and Born friends. And, you know, I mean, those guys have a MBA from Yale and like, you know, are very sophisticated and smart. And uh, like, you could put them any social club in America and like, they could carry a conversation about anything. But you know what they were doing last week? They were there for seven days, building a exhibit, moving boxes and on their feet for 15 hours a day selling. And like that kind of hustle, like even CapTech, like our chairman was there and we were you know, like we were hustling. We did a deal at the demo day and we were packing boxes and shipping stuff. And, uh, I just love that. Like if I think, um, you know, that's what makes this country and like just business and entrepreneurship. Great. Like seeing that stuff and you get to see it all firsthand at the PGA show. So are these, are these 
club pros walking in with like checkbooks and writing the holderness is like a check and a purchase order and like having well, to show up first step in a few weeks or what how did that work so there a lot of them uh, are writing orders for the entire year now it used to be i think traditionally that like you know they would go once a year and they would write their orders and that was it and there weren't even necessarily reps that visited them so like h and b have reps that go and call on these accounts throughout the year to see how they're doing and write additional orders but even with that with the rep visit it's just a nice clean way right for the merchandiser to say i'm going to go see my top 5 vendors like i'm going to have a plan like i was kind of flying by the h and b uh one of the tables and the rep was like they had put on a rack like six polo shirts and two pullovers. And he was like, all right, so we're going to run these. You want them June 1st or June 15th? And the pro was like, oh, let's do June 1st. So they are, um, they are writing orders. What does the PGA pro do? You know, they're on the buy side. So these guys are, they're living large, right? Uh, it's, you know, stone chinos and, and blue blazers and they get to go around and get courted by, by all the vendors and different apparel brands. So, they probably have the most fun and the easiest, uh, easiest time, but, uh, everyone else is there, is there on the hustle. All right. So what stood out to you as the biggest trends in the industry to look out for coming out of this? Uh, one is the continued push into technology. There's just more vendors than you can believe that make launch monitors and make different training aids. And some of them are really cool. Like, you know, I was bookmarking them on my, on my phone to maybe order for myself or for gifts, but, I think there's, uh, you know, there's a bit of an adoption curve. And we talked about that on the panel. Uh, I had, my panel was focused on golf technology, whether like it's additive or it can be distracting. And uh, we had a VC that launched that EP Golf Ventures along with the PGA of America on there. But anyway, we talked about adoption. And, you know, I was talking to um, someone from a big, big time resort, and they were talking about launch monitors. And a launch monitor company had just sent him 10 units and he was a couple months into testing them as kind of a trial. And he was telling me that at his resort, he can't really put them out on the driving range like unmanned because people don't know how to use them or they don't have the software. Even if they do, they're getting these stats off their launch monitor. They're not really sure. Like you need a professional to kind of interpret the data for you. And he was like, look, I'm trying to get people onto the range and then off the range as quick as I can and out to the golf course and then out to the 19th hole. And so... I think launch monitor is an incredible teaching aid, but the like kind of, and I think screen golf and indoor golf is having a major boom, but there's also that middle ground where like, not sure that like that one day you get out of the office and get to go hit balls and play golf that you really want to mess with a launch monitor on the range. So I think people are trying to figure out where tech fits in the golf. And, uh, and that's what we talked about on the panel, but I, I heard that, you know, from a, a lot of people at the show. Tell us more about this panel. Who, who is involved? What kind of themes did you really explore? What was that all about? Well, it was sponsored by CapTech. So we we leaned into technology. And so we had Jay Adya, the VC. We had Kerry Cosby, PGA professional at Southern Hills that hosted last year's PGA. And then Ben Helmrath, who is uh, lead strategy for PGA Tour Superstore. So somebody in retail, something you you know a lot about. And it was really good. It, you know, it was kind of short and sweet. We started with a lightning round and then we covered a lot of ground and uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. So give us like the one takeaway from each guest that you want, that you came away with, that you want the audience to sort of noodle on. Well, Jay's was pretty easy because he had never been to the PGA show and he walked in about 10 minutes before the panel because we did it on the first day. And he was like shell-shocked by, 
by the size and scale. My two biggest takeaways from Jay were that he loves a highly engaged customer base and golf defines that, right? People are just truly obsessed with the game. And then also he's built, you know, EP's kind of broader venture portfolio on partnerships. And I think he's going to be really successful in golf because golf is the ultimate partnership environment. Like it's, you know, we've talked about it on this show, right? There might be too much governance and too many entities, but everyone has to play together in the sandbox and everyone is looking for these kind of one plus one equals three partnerships in golf. And that's how he and his company think. So I think it's going to be a great fit. What about, uh, what about Kerry Crosby? Kerry Cosby, like one of the most decorated club pros in America. Uh, so one of my lightning round questions was, you know, a modern major championship is just a crazy undertaking. Like if given the choice, how often would you host it? And his answer was every 10 years, which is about how often Southern Hills hosts a major. So it's a, a nine year, 11 month hangover, it sounds like, which was, which was pretty, pretty cool. And then, I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for these conversations, but I asked him like, Hey, you've been in the business a long time. Like what's the one thing that technology will probably never replace as far as serving your members and, and building a great culture and his, you probably heard this, but um, his reply was just doing the tiny things really, really well. It's just doing every small thing really well. And it adds up. So you know, I, I have a colleague who has a, a little board behind his Zoom setup that says little wins equal equal big wins. And that was kind of Carrie's main point. And and Ben was great. Ben, you know, kind of brings big box retail angle to it, right? Where Carrie is screen grass. And PGA Tour Superstore is owned by uh, Arthur Blank and famously, you know, co-founded Home Depot. So they carry a lot of that ethos over to the Superstore. One of their you know major tenants is that like the associates sit on the top of the pyramid like the most important people at home depot or the superstore are the people on the floor servicing interacting with customers and then the second was uh the marketing conversation i, I thought about you and i want to hear your take on this but i asked him like are you here to see all the products and i test it or are you purchasing and making inventory decisions based on data and he said mostly data but he also said like we dove into like how they figure out what the customer wants. And I was like, okay, how advanced are we in, in that journey, right? Of, of knowing where the customer, you know, engages with your store, what their tastes are. And, you know, his response was really good. Like, where are we going to be? Where are we now? And we're still pretty unsophisticated, right? There's still a lot of technological um, opportunities to like better identify your customer and, and get more targeted to, to the customer. So I know you spent some time there, uh, you and Ben, you, you need to meet Ben. He's a smart guy and you guys would, would kick around a great conversation. Love me some retail, love me some data, love me some golf. That all makes sense. I guess the, the trick, the thing that's really interesting about that and taking a sort of a side little tangent here is, I mean, the golf industry has become so oriented around these big launches, right? Especially on the, on the equipment side. I know the PGA show has typically been where a lot of equipment companies come and make a big splash and get their stuff out there in the hands of uh, club pros to, to bring to their clubs, et cetera, and, and the retailers too. And that's just an environment not super rich in data, right? Like it's just like you really make a splash and you, by the time you have the data, it's too late to really react and capture the, the real wave. So um that that's a challenge in a very in an evergreen business it's easy but in a very cyclical like launch driven business like golf has become i have to imagine it's a real challenge 
Yeah, I mean they they're they pretty much have done their buying for 2023. Yet a lot of the products that will hit the store in 23 were just being unveiled at the PGA show or at you know Tory Pines on tour, kind of that that cycle. So you're right. But I think I think they have a good feel for the cadence, knowing which brands are heading in the right direction, where consumers are connecting. Um, it's good stuff. So what one thing that's jumped out around the same time, not related to the PGA show necessarily. But, but tied to this concept of um, data and launches and how the OEMs play a role in this, one trend I'm observing a ton is, is the, the equipment manufacturers really tying themselves and sponsoring not just tour players, but a lot of social media influencers, right? Just on YouTube alone, you get companies like um, good, good guys, or the or Bob does sports, or the foreplay pod guys, right? Like no laying up, no laying up, really. Yeah, exactly. Like they are, they all have deals, right, with equipment companies as, as if they're athletes in in the truest sense of the word. And I have some hypotheses, but what do you what do you think that that trend is attributed to? I think two things. One, their target customer is now a lot younger than it used to be. So you have to go where they are and they're consuming golf through no laying up and foreplay and subpar and all these very, you know, good, good, all these, that that's where the young golf consumer is kind of latching on to golf media. Uh, that's one. And then two is that that same golf consumer is like really looking for a tribe, right? They're really looking, we've talked about this, like they're looking to be a part of something and it might not be a country club. It might be the the no laying up crew and like maybe doing a trip with them once a year or the fried egg or like they associate with like, Hey, I'm a like martini glass polo shirt guy, like flat brim, uh, like guy that listens to this podcast. So I think I should play these clubs because they fit the persona. Right. And you see the same, like Titleist has a new deal with no laying up, like no laying up is like the junkies, right? Like you're younger and you're kind of hip, but like, you're really into golf. Like you're very high golf IQ. Uh, and that that's the Titleist brand, right? So I think it's those two things. I think it's younger. And then it just says the, the golf brand that you play, the equipment you play says something about you, just like whether you drive a Volvo or a Mercedes or a Ford says something about you. I, I think those are the big drivers, right? But the one time back to sort of the notion of launches and, and data, et cetera, like the no laying up deal might be an exception because they they announced that partnership with, with Titleist like after Titleist released its sort of driver lineup in the fall. So that doesn't quite sync. But for most companies who announce a lot of these social media deals around the turn of the year and then launched now in sort of like later January, early February into March, right? I mean, the, the reality is like these social media interactions like just leave behind reams of data, right? Right. Comments and views and like shares, all that kind of stuff. And that can be really interesting. If I'm a marketer for an OEM, right, I'm looking at that right yep. now nonstop in terms of like, where do I need to dial things up? Where can I dial back in return? Right. How do I change not big things like the product name, messaging and positioning, but how do I change some of the smaller levers that I can do in the short term to make that launch like really make as, as as successful as it can be and de-risk as much as possible. So I think that's an interesting play. Probably not the primary reason they did it, but it does lead itself to a lot of interesting decisions for marketers in this very critical period of time that we're in right now. Man, you you nailed the influencer thing. Like that's one thing. Even in the three years that I've gone to the PGA show, uh, and I guess it'd be four because, well, maybe not. I don't know. COVID 
screws up the calendar, but uh, the influencer thing is crazy. Like they're just people walking around the PGA show, like with camera crews, because, you know, PGA of America themselves, right? Like friend of the program, uh, Gavin Flo, like he was hired by the PGA of America to like tour it and kind of give people a look in via social, via TikTok, via Instagram reels. So he was one of a few people. They're just creating content. And I mean, it's easy to roll your eyes at it, Dan, and like how much is enough? And like, do we need another influencer another golf podcast god bless us for starting another one you know but i think about like a the the game is growing with younger people and b like it's just a diversion of attention like when i was a kid and in the summer i would get up and i would watch sports center three times straight back to back and then i'd go to the golf course or i'd go to the pool or whatever but like it was three hours of sports center every single morning and it's a lot of like time, right? It's a lot of eyeball on screen time. And now that's just been replaced by YouTube. Kids are just not going to do that because they have options. They have a phone or an iPad and they can watch good, good videos. Like who in the world would watch a bunch of like 19 year olds play a two on two match on YouTube is what I say. And then I realized that like if I was 13 and I was just hanging out on a summer morning, I used to watch sports center three times. Maybe I'd watch some good, good match on YouTube now. So uh, you know, separate conversation on like, it's a problem for, you know, over, uh, you know, linear TV, but it's an opportunity for all these kind of influencers and social media outlets. I, I don't know if we're in the early innings or if we're oversaturated. I, I, I constantly ask myself that question, but it still seems like it's growing. It, it was, it was definitely growing at the PGA show. So you're saying your childhood was like three hours of sports center, five hours of golf, eight hours of studying, eight hours of sleeping. Was that the is that the breakdown? Yeah, there was a lot of that. I usually have a couple scotches after golf oh, with my grandfather. So that was, you know, kind of unwind. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. I love it. Well, well, I mean, next time you can pair that with some, uh, some Iberico. So that's right. <laughs> What's it seem like at this PGA show? Like I heard a lot about extracurricular activities and a lot of the pros, the PGA pros spending a lot of time after like a very difficult summer, the chance to sort of unwind a little bit. Like, what do you... <laughs> Well, how do you experience that side of it? It's not the difficult summer. It's the long winter, depending on where you're coming from. So I, I may just be, this is a non-scientific analysis, but I feel like I meet a lot of Northeasterners and a lot of Canadians. Like, And think about it. Like, hey, you want to go to Orlando at the end of January? If you're in Canada, it's like, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds pretty good. And same for the Northeast. So I feel like there's strong representation from the cold, the cold states and cold countries. And then... Yeah, I think it used to be called the PGA Merchandise Show, and now I think it's just PGA Show. It's definitely more of an industry conference now. So there are a lot of kind of executives from you know retail, merchandise, governing bodies. Like the USGA had a booth. I don't know if they've always had one. Maybe they have, but I don't remember seeing it. And it was small, but you know they were there representing you know the USGA brand at at the big industry conference. You know there are a lot of kind of happy hours that brands host and whatnot, and then I think there are a lot of uh, probably more you know serious dinners between the power brokers of golf you've been going for a few years now what's what are some of the biggest changes you've seen since you started going to the pga show to now i would say the one is probably that the industry and technology focus that's a big one i think people are the the mood is positive like people feel like they're on a ship that's rising you know we've talked about it covid was a kind of once in a generation 
event for golf. And if you're bringing young people in and, you know, kind of more diverse population that's playing golf, I think there's just a lot of opportunity and, and you can definitely get that vibe at the show. So who did you run into down there? Like anyone, anyone I would know? I chatted with Seth Waugh for a little bit who I've known since like I was in college and, uh, and then he was at Deutsche Bank when I was playing on a tour on the tour and a couple of times I made it to Boston. So, you know, we're not close pals, but caught up with him for a few minutes. And I just listened to his interview with uh, Andy Johnson on the fried egg. And uh, so cool to hear what they're doing in Palm beach. Talked a lot, PGA Frisco followed up on the interview. And then he echoed what I kind of just said, like, I mean, he's very eloquent about it. Um, but if we're not like targeting golf, you know, the next census will show that like the United States is 50% minority and that, you know, half the population is female. So like, if we're not growing the game with those demographics, we can't be seriously like talking about expanding the reach of golf. So I think he's genuine about that. I think the PGA of America is genuine about that. Um, but it's just a funny crowd, you know, like the Walker cup captain was there, um, former Walker cup captains. I saw walking around. It's just a kind of CNBC type of uh, type of deal. And my colleagues at CapTech are always like, my, how do you know everybody? And it's like, I've just been in this world for, uh, you know, maybe not the PGA show or the merchandise or the industry side of it, but it's a small, you know, the AJGA is there. I've known those guys since I was 13 years old. Right. Uh, I was like the player rep on their board of directors 20 years ago or 22 years ago. So it, it's great to see old faces. Um, a couple past course record show guests, Chad, oh, yeah. Park, Chad Parker, uh, Jihei Lee. Uh, who else did I see? So yeah. So, you know, Chad, we, so Chad Parker, uh, GM at Eastlake Golf Club. Yep. Jihei Lee, CEO of Sportsbox AI. Yes. Gosh, who I'm else? I'm trying to think who else has been on the show. No college golf representation because they're kind of in season now. I think I also heard you met up with uh, Jeremy Stone from Titleist. Jeremy Stone. There you go. Forgot. Uh, yeah, Jeremy's, you know, he's definitely a, I would call a power broker in the industry. Leads marketing for the number one ball in golf. So it was good to catch up with him. We had never met in person. Uh, saw him at demo day. Saw him at the hotel um, grabbing coffee. So wonderful guy. Uh, met a few of his colleagues. Titleist crew is, is first class all the way. And I got a little uh, course record show uh, alumni reunion going there next year. That would be nice. A little breakfast, maybe a CRS breakfast. That's a good call. Well, Roberto, thanks for painting a picture there. What's uh, Who should consider going to the PGA show going forward? Well, you know, what's interesting is that it's not open to the public. Uh, you have to be in the industry. So I think it's like a couple hundred dollars, I think, to get your credential. But uh, if you're a PGA professional, it's free. But like, if you're just an industry or you have a brand or whatever, it might be more, I'm not sure exactly, but it's not open to the public. Um, so kind of a, a closed, close to the industry type type deal. But I would say anybody uh, that's even, you know, tangentially involved in the golf industry would benefit from being there. A couple of my friends from Atlanta that are the guys behind in-town golf club uh, came down and it was their first time. And they were like, Hey, what's like, what should I check out? I'm like, I, again, I'm new to the party. Carrie Cosby has been to, you know, 40 PGA shows, but uh, I was like, I think you guys will enjoy it. And, uh, actually, uh, one of them wrote a LinkedIn post short post about how he really enjoyed it and how he would encourage any new entrant into an industry. He's been very successful with, uh, startups and, uh, and funding startups. This guy, he wrote a short post about, Hey, go to the trade show, walk around, like, 
see what the trends are, see what your competition is, see like who could be a partner. Like, I think, um, I think he had a good experience and I'm not sure he'll go back or needs to go back every year, but uh, I think that's an example of, of somebody getting some real value from it. Media member, Dan, media members are welcome next year, Boston, you're in Boston. I mean, what sounds better than sunny Florida in January, bud? come on. Well, I know you've been working this angle with me, so I, I gotta, I gotta make it work and it, you're, you're selling it well. So. All right. Next year, 24. We'll be there. Sounds good. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed this very short episode of this quick recap. We'll we'll, have, we'll come back with some new programming, new guests for you coming up next. Check us out next time on the Course Record Show. Please subscribe uh, on your favorite podcast player. We are running shorts on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. Um, so look forward to seeing you wherever you consume your golf content.